It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 43. It is September 29th, 2020. I'm your host, Nikki Kuehler, is here. Also, last two weeks ago on the show, I talked about, I think I talked about this on the show, right? How I went to Subway and there were 15 people not wearing masks in a very small Subway. I think I, I mentioned that. So that was exactly two weeks ago. And I said, if I came back sick, that I knew exactly the time and day and place that I got the Rona. So it's been exactly two weeks. And today, I don't feel very good. I, my throat is a little bit sore and my nose is a little stuffy. I don't know if I sound any different. I, I feel like I'm speaking different. Uh, but if this is the development, if this is the 14-day period where I really start getting the Rona and I just collapse on the floor tomorrow, you guys will know that it was that damn subway that uh that gave me the rona so i'm not feeling too great but we're still going to try to crack this stuff out uh the first thing i wanted to tackle something i touched briefly on stream yesterday but sometime uh at the end of this year and i haven't ironed out the details yet but i want to run either a charity stream a set of uh you know streams where all the money in those streams go towards a charity um or I want to do um, just like maybe I'll throw down a one-time donation and then anyone who wants can also like throw it into the same charity or maybe a couple different ones. I don't know. Um, and the reason I actually decided that I wanted to do this is because unfortunately uh, my aunt passed away from cancer a couple weeks ago uh, and my dog right now also has lung cancer. He's still alive. He's doing okay, but it's not like an operable uh, kind of cancer. So I think I wanted to, um, there's a couple causes that I wanted to support. I haven't figured out which one I want to do yet. The first would be obviously cancer research. Um, I've had, actually, I have multiple um, family members who have survived cancer. Uh, and so I either want to throw some money at that. Maybe every dime I make through some month uh, streaming on Twitch, uh, we'll, we'll just throw that into a pot. Maybe I'll give away some uh, <laughs> online Pokemon cards or something. Uh, I don't know. I'm still working out the details, but I've I've decided I've committed in my mind do something like that. The that was one of the charities I wanted to benefit. The other one uh, was going to be either an animal shelter or uh, I think the third thing, uh, the cause top three causes most important to me right now is a mental health organization, uh, suicide prevention, or just mental health in general. So I got to do a little more research on that. I don't have any further plans other than I wanted to dedicate myself to one of those three things here at the end of the year so we'll probably talk more about that uh when the time comes but i have no other like concrete information i have nowhere for you to throw your money um i guess the only real message to deliver is if you're thinking of like sending bits or donations in or something i don't really need that i'm doing fine on my job so keep that in your pocket and if you want to throw it at a charity uh then then you can do it towards the end of this year i think that's what i uh, want to do coming either in october or november or something like that so we'll, we'll commit to that one uh, and hopefully I, I don't collapse via the Rona and need that money for my hospital bills instead. But I, I think, uh, I think it's probably not the Rona. It might just be me being dehydrated. Speaking of me getting the Rona. All right. So if I didn't get the Rona at Subway, I woke up the other day at like 8am. This was Friday to go out and buy some Pokemon cards. Uh, the new set champions path games out for those of you who don't play Pokemon. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but basically People are selling these cards at literally twice retail cost. It's absolutely insane. Um, so there's two Charizards in the set. Everyone loves Charizard. So people are going absolutely ham with marking up the prices. And so I went out searching. 
Unfortunately, I did not find anything in stores and a lot of my online shipments have been delayed, probably due to the Rona and probably due to some manufacturer delays related to the Rona and probably also because of high demand. But uh, I, I have a kind of hilarious story uh, that paints me in a morally questionable light that I wanted to share with you guys. I went to Target to go get some Champions Path and there wasn't any there. But instead I found a box uh, that was from the manufacturer uh, and what the Target employees were supposed to do at Target was open this box and put the contents, they're like these little mini portfolios with packs of Pokemon cards, on the shelves. They're not supposed to sell the sealed box from the distributor, right? It's like not like if you're in the grocery section, you know, they offload the apples and they put it all in a in an apple holding shelf or something, right? They don't they just leave a crate of apples there for someone to pick up and buy. Also, no one wants that many apples. No one wants that many Pokemon cards, except for me. So I go pick this thing up, scan it, and nothing happens when I scan it. It says item not found. And so I know that when I take it to self-checkout, it will say the same thing. They're connected. They're, the two systems are the same. It's not all magically going to be in the system. So I fully pretend like I don't know what I'm doing as I go up to the self-checkout, scan it three times, and the lady um, who's there to help people at self-checkout comes up to me and asks if I need any help. I'm like, yeah, for some reason, this barcode's not scanning. I'm playing dumb. I knew it wasn't going to scan. And so she takes me over to a register and can't scan it herself either. So she called a manager, and the manager asks me how much this product is. And I pull it up on the Pokemon Center, and I say $5. That's actually for one unit. Um, I find out later that there's 12 like little mini binders inside of this box. I didn't know at the time how many there were. Um, but he said, I can't be $5. It seems really big. Can I open it up and see what's inside? I'm like, no, nah, man, I'd rather keep it sealed, which I do. I That was true. I do want to keep it sealed. And so uh, he didn't open it. And I find it uh, on a listing on Amazon for $13. And so I show that to him and he's like, all right, that's fine. He enters it for $13 and I walk out of the store. I later on realize that I bought $100 or something like that worth of Pokemon cards for $12. Uh, all because I was able to, I was able to do a couple things. Number one, I pretended like I had no idea what I was doing. Now, despite the fact that I was wearing a Pokemon mask and I, you know, Kilo, the, I have like the Pokeball hip to my belt, like literally at all times. Yes. There's yes. some hints as to me maybe being a little bit more privy to information than, than I, than I, you know, otherwise was acting. Um, but A, I, I took him to self-checkout and then they took me over to a register that they wanted to have closed and I'm not saying you should do the same thing, but I'm just breaking down why it worked. The register was closed and they didn't want someone there manning it because they didn't have enough staff. And so as I was talking to the manager, a line started building up behind me, putting more pressure on the employees to get my ass out of there so they can redirect all these people to another line for someone else to help them. Uh, so that was one thing. There were some outside external pressures that made the employees just want me to get the hell out of there, even if they, you know, were going to take a loss. Also, I was quick on my phone. I was quick to bring up a web page, and I made sure to scroll up and down, because what you can do is you can literally go and, you know, edit elements on a web page, take a screenshot of it, and then show it to a Target employee. I, I don't know if they care very much if you do this or not with cheaper product, but if you want, I never, I never have done this, but I do know enough about web pages. I literally inspect element, change the, the price of an item, right? So if you take a picture, if you take a screenshot, that's not a good idea. 
um, that's not as legitimate as loading the web page in front of them and then scrolling up and down because a screenshot can be doctored. You can even, you know, Photoshop it. So me bringing up the web pages quickly in front of them was uh, was helpful to them. So so that was step one. Step two was also just applying pressure by making them open a separate lane to help me with my random problem. And I think the third thing that I did that I uh, that went really well is I didn't get anything else, right? I wasn't buying groceries. I wasn't there getting sausages and, you know, diapers and potatoes and I don't know, whatever tampons people, people buy at Target that are Pokemon cards. I don't know. I wasn't getting a bunch of things. I was just there for that one item, um, which made the transaction a little bit easier on them. So I, uh, I didn't actually know how much it cost until I left. But I, I wanted this manufactured sealed box of Pokemon cards. It's just kind of cool. And so if you're watching me on Twitch.tv slash Shampoo, it'll be sitting behind me now. Um, but that's what I did. And was it questionably more, uh, questionable morals, uh, you know, questionable ethics? Maybe a little bit. But, uh, you know, they wouldn't have sold me a distributor box anyway. And I truly didn't know how much it costed. Um, but I just so happened to find two listings. Like, you can't just Google on Amazon, because you have to do it on Amazon, GameStop, Walmart. You have to do it on a competitor's website. You can't go to eBay and be like, oh, price match this. So I searched on GameStop and I searched on Amazon um, and I, I found the product and showed that to them. It was a single, not a box of them, right? I bought a box of apples, not one apple. Um, and later on, when I went on eBay to figure out what it's really worth and what's inside of it, it's closer to like, you know, 80 to 100 bucks. But yeah, that happened just this Friday as I was out searching for Champion's Path, which I still do not have a single Champion's Path card. Everyone is marking up Champion's Path Pokemon cards. Like you can get Pokemon cards, but this specific set, because it's such a good collector set, I literally can't get it anywhere. People are buying out stores. Card shops are marking up to $95 for an Elite Trainer box instead of $50. There is literally... For, for reference, I wish I still had the webpage open, but it would be easier right now and actually cheaper in some instances for me to buy a Mosin Nagant, a World War II bolt-action <laughs> rifle than it would be to get a pack of fucking Pokemon cards right now. It is cheaper and easier in America to get guns and weed. I could actually, right now, if I had, if you held a gun to my head and said I had to get weed within the next 10 minutes, I'd probably take my time. There's actually a guy, um, like, down the street, literally. I could do that, too, because oh, yeah. the gun is easy to buy. Can you get the weed? I get the gun and the weed. Well, not within two I don't know, but I could, I, could, no, I could easily buy the gun to then point it at your head and tell you to buy weed. And then we now we have guns and weed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, um, I, I went out playing Pokemon Go at 2 a.m. This was, like, three years ago, and I jumped this guy's car. And uh, so as a reward, he didn't have any money, but he offered me pot. And uh, I didn't I didn't want, I don't smoke pot. No, I'm not against smoking pot or anything. I just personally don't like smoking. Uh, but he said, yo, man, if you ever need any weed or, or, you know, a little something, something, I live here. And I was like, oh, really? I live here? He's like, yo, no way, dude, we're neighbors. And so I'm, uh, I'm neighbors with a drug dealer. And so, uh, you know, if I ever literally need to get pot, I just got to go to his house. But the point is, it is literally easier for me to get drugs and guns right now than these Pokemon cards. And so, me, I negotiated with the target. You know, the manager accept, accepted my price. I said $13. He accepted. He entered his little code and overrode it, scanned it, entered the number 13, bagged it up for me, and I left. Right? And he was like, yeah, it'll be it'll be a statement on your target red card. It's all good, man. I got out of it. So, 
I negotiated in steel from Target. And this alleged, this is all alleged. I didn't actually do this. This might be imaginary for clout. Uh, just, just to, you know, just for the lawyers. I, uh, there's possibility that the show is for entertainment and the Early Access Podcast is for talking about video games and sometimes hypotheticals. I'm not going out to buy guns or weed. And I might have not necessarily done this. It's all alleged. All right. So it's all for entertainment purposes. Just to, you know, keep the lawyers happy. It didn't really happen, I swear. Uh, in other news, Discord is really pissing people off. Because earlier this week, we were all sent an email, um, Discord partners, including myself, uh, across the Discord platform. They said, hey, if you don't meet these metrics by, I think it's November, then we're going to discontinue your Discord partnership. Tons of people on Twitter uh, feeling like the... Discord kind of used them to build up this platform to build up, uh, you know, popularity and to get a bunch of people using the uh, instant messaging and the call features of Discord. And now they're just kind of ditching those partners. So what Discord did way back in the day is they would partner basically anyone. And I think the reason for doing that and by partner basically anyone, I mean anyone who's already a Twitch partner, uh, they would partner Twitch partners. And I have a little tinfoil hat conspiracy on that one. It was because they maybe knew that Twitch was going to buy Curse, right? So back in, I think it was 2015, Discord sponsored TwitchCon. In 2016, Curse, an alternate chat platform, sponsored TwitchCon. And Twitch bought Curse, um, and and that was the official platform. That was the official Twitch platform. And so Discord may have seen that move coming, and they really wanted to corner the streamer market. They wanted a large cut of the market because the way instant messaging platforms work or, or pretty much anything in general is a lot of people are using it if a lot of people are using it. That's why TikTok is popular. That's why YouTube is more popular than Vimeo. People use it because other people are using it and, and taking control of a large percentage of the market is important. And so that's what Discord did successfully. And it kind of drove Twitch when they uh, purchased Curse out. I don't see anyone plugging their, their oh, join my Twitch Curse Discord. I don't even server. I almost call it Discord, but you know that's not what it is. And so Discord cornered a lot of the streamer market and got everyone to start building communities and take a chance and and uh, establish themselves there. Well, the average lifespan of a streamer is three years, right? Like the, the roller coaster of popularity going down. So since 2015, five years later, a lot of these people aren't really popular anymore. They're not maintaining super big active communities. They're not large streamers anymore uh you know very few people make it to twitch partner and then very few people are relevant in 2015 and in 2020 and so a lot of people are angry that they felt like that they had built up this platform made discord what it is today for discord to kind of cut people out and i'm not sure what the overhead is on on a discord server being partner versus not partner and i know you get more bandwidth for your voice channels but I, I'm not sure what else Discord is giving up as far as costs for a number of partners. I know they do e offer each partnered server owner Nitro, so that, that could be some losses there. And Nitro offers things like file uploads, which they obviously have to host and they have to pay for that. But uh, a lot of people are really angry at Discord right now for making it seem like, hey, we were the pioneers, we came, we supported you, and now they're kind of kicking them to the curb. Uh, and I, I talked about a couple episodes ago how I wanted to save my Discord. It's not looking good. The metrics aren't looking good. We actually almost got there. And then I actually took a 
a little bit of time off streaming, went to a funeral, just didn't feel like playing the game uh, or, or streaming in general. I didn't feel like playing Pokemon or anything for, for a variety of reasons, not just because I had a family member pass away, but um, I'm not a professional streamer, so if I don't want to stream for a week, I just don't stream for a week. It's not my main source of income anymore. And so we got actually pretty close on the Stale Shampoo Discord to matching Discord's metrics. 50 people talking, 100 people visiting the Discord, you know, a certain amount of chat lines, and they gauge uh, minutes, people talking, voice chat, and all these kinds of things, right? And I really want to maintain, like I said before, invites to Discord parties. It's a great networking opportunity, and I'm a creator manager at Live, so it is really important that I, you know, people remember my face and I can network and expand the uh, number of creators that I know and work with. And, and professionally, going to the parties is awesome. It's free drinks. You know, I, I love talking to Discord staff. I've been to their headquarters. I've been to parties um, that they've thrown in Boston and San Diego and Long Beach and all over the place, Seattle. I love them. They do a great job. They, uh, If you're watching live on twitch.tv slash my Discord pillow is like right behind my head that Keeler uses to sleep on when she comes over. It's they, they, They've been awesome to me. And uh, Nitro is also like, I think, $50 a year or something like that, $100. I don't know. And I really want to maintain my perks, but, um, you know, I I do sympathize with the people who say like, hey, we've built up Discord. We moved our communities here. We could have had it somewhere else. But also, I realize that I'm not providing any value to Discord actively anymore, right? If I don't go into work as a doctor and perform surgery on 10 people then I don't get paid that day, right? Like, I'm still a doctor when I leave. I'm still a, you know, a content creator, but I'm not actively, you know, drawing in that many patients or that many people or that many audience members into a Discord. So I see, like, the declining value in myself over the years and that I'm honestly just not providing anything to Discord anymore, right, as far as engagement and people. I want people to talk in my Discord if they want to talk I don't want to artificially go into my Discord and be like, hey, how are you guys? Because ultimately, I don't give a fuck. I like, I not to say I don't give a fuck about how you are, but I don't want to drive artificial or contrived conversations with people who don't want to necessarily talk to me. It just doesn't matter, I feel like. And, and I don't want to, I don't want people to talk because they feel like talking. Mobile games do this great. Mobile games have you engage with them every day because in Pokemon Go, there's a daily poke, catch a Pokemon every day for seven days, you get a big reward. Spend a Pokestop every day for seven days, you get a big reward. Open up a gift, um, login bonuses in Fortnite. Uh, Call of Duty does the same thing too. They have daily challenges. Even though it's a $60 game, a lot of people, Duolingo does it. Daily streaks. Right, the leaderboard on Duolingo for completing lessons and getting XP and then moving up to bronze, silver, gold league. Every every app, every everyone wants you to engage with them on a daily basis to drive up the ever so important metric that is daily active users, or DAU, if you guys ever see it abbreviated in any kind of documentation or reports or anything like that. And I am not bringing that metric up for Discord. I completely realize that. And so... I feel like I, I do sympathize with the people who felt like they built up Discord from the ground up, but I also realize that I am no longer providing any value. You know, like, yeah, you're a doctor still, but you're retired. You're not operating on patients anymore. You know, I used to be gaining hundreds, actually literally hundreds of followers a month on Twitch. The fact that Twitch still offers me partnership 
right? The fact that I'm still a Twitch partner and they don't take it away, it's probably because it doesn't cost them any much more to give me partnership than anyone else. I'm taking bandwidth up as much as an affiliate slash uh, non-affiliate, non-partner, just a normal streamer, right? I Ads are still playing on my content, whether I not like it or not, pre-rolls, mid-roll ads. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really cost them anything, I feel like, to keep me on board. But if I blow up, then I am locked into a partner contract with Twitch. I think that's actually one of the main differentials now I think about it. I am locked into a partner contract with Twitch. I cannot go to Mixer, rest in peace, and try to blow up there. They have locked me in. So if I blow up, I have to stay here or I'm violating my contract. And I know people who have had problems with that in the past. And so I guess that's why Twitch kind of keeps us on board as partners. But Discord has decided, hey, it's not worth the money uh, or we want to offer it to more premium. We want to make it more prestigious. And so uh, that's what's going on with, with Discord partnerships right now. If you guys want to go over to discord.gg slash Shampoo, it's the only place I post updates about the Early Access podcast. And uh, you can head over to discord.gg slash Shampoo and help support. Uh, if not, I lose my partnership. It'll be sad, but ultimately not, not that big of a deal. And I might... I saw some people on Twitter, uh, again, Nikki with his questionable morals. I saw some people on Twitter asking a bunch of people to like flood their Discord. Just, you know, they had a, they had what I have in my Discord, a garbage channel. And they had a bunch of people just go to Wikipedia and copy and paste a bunch of, you know, articles about mushrooms growing or like the history of chess and just garbage mashing their keyboard. And I have that similar channel on my Discord also. And they're like, oh, Discord, is this how is this engage is this the engagement you want? And it's just hundreds of people talking about absolute nonsense. Literally not even words, just strings of garbage and emotes. And so, um, you know, that's one way if I want to keep my Discord partnership. I don't think that's the true engagement that they're looking for. It's garbage engagement, but it drives up the numbers. And so I might pull something like that when the time comes. I don't know. But uh, but that's all that's going on in Discord. Discord.gg slash Shampoo. Head over and hang out if you guys want to talk about Pokemon, though. I, I like I, I like my Discord to be a place that people want to be. If you want to say something, if you want to complain about Call of Duty, if you want to talk about Temtem or Pokemon, go there. If not, I don't want anyone to do things that they don't want to do. It you know Just in general, as a general philosophy of mine, if you don't want to talk to me at a bar, if you don't want to watch my streams, if you don't want to be in my Discord, I don't want to force you to. If you do, great. I think that makes the environment better for everyone. When people mutually want to be together, uh, or when people want to mutually, you know, participate in a thing together, rather than just making it, you know, yeah, you, you gotta do it, you know. So, I guess my take on that. All right, where to play? Where to play a game, real quick? It is called Guess. Time for a game. Yeah, it is called Get it, Guess. What is more popular, Temtem as of one hour ago, or Lawbreakers on its launch month? That is the game. So the rules are: Lawbreakers launched August eighth. 2017 for those of you who don't know lawbreakers was a colossal failure um we'll get into it a little bit in a second but lawbreakers average players in their launch month of august 2017 killer do you think it was higher or lower than the average players playing temtem in the last 30 days lawbreakers on i think it might be lower i think it might be lower i think it Lawbreakers had a peak, but I think even its peak was pretty low. Like, yep. the thing that got it forward is advertising, not necessarily longevity or lack of longevity. It never really kicked off the ground very much at all. So, for the uh, for the sake of the viewers, Temtem is a creature collecting, 
uh, MMO. It is very similar to other games, maybe developed by Nintendo, that I play a lot. I'm not going to say them in the same sentence. But uh, I really love Temtem, and I've been playing it a lot. And Temtem, to I think a lot of people, even other Pokemon players, is a game that people just don't know about. And so, Kyula, you think Lawbreakers, on its launch month, had less players than Temtem uh, in the past... 30 days. By the way, Temtem launched gonna, out of early access July. I'm going to go for that. Okay. Temtem. I'm going to go for that. I feel like Temtem has cornered a little market that might benefit. So Temtem, uh, when it launched into 1.0 in, was it January 2020? Let me double check. Uh, Temtem launch. Oh, wow. It was. It was January. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Temtem came out January 2020, and it is now September. Uh, Kuehler is correct. Lawbreakers on launch had 662.5 average players in its launch month. That is horrific. Uh, <laughs> Temtem, average last 30 days, 1,138. Temtem has almost doubled. Temtem's uh, peak players was 39.5k. Uh, Lawbreaker's peak players Damn. was uh, 7.5k. And if we... So let's let's go back to 2017. I'm at E3. I'm at PAX. You know, it's going great for Nikki. He's traveling all over the place. All of my friends are wearing Lawbreakers merch, Lawbreakers hoodies, Lawbreakers jackets. I'm seeing on Twitter, they're at the Lawbreakers party. There's the Lawbreakers booth. They literally have their own booth. Where it's, I, I forgot if it was 44 or 6v6, but they don't have nearly enough people to fill a lobby anymore. 44, 6v6, right? They just have all these big name streamers, right? Going against each other, doing interviews. Like, Lawbreakers is great. It's heart pounding, FPS action. It's, it's incredible. They put so much money into streamer marketing and just died. And I, I I can't I can't I can't wrap my head around why. But I think one thing that Kula and I can agree upon is Lawbreakers never had a Nikki from Stell Shampoo who died with the ship. Uh, Evolve, <laughs> Battleborn, even The Last of Us to some extent, I played those games into the ground. It was uh, it was authentic for what it was. It was fair, Last of Us never kicked off, so I mean, it kicked off the single player, but not the multiplayer. No, no. The reason they never even brought it back, right? Yeah, part two doesn't even have multiplayer. Like, no, one, no one plays that. I, 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 the way I play games is I don't, I don't really play games casually. I take games really too far all the time, right? I'm looking into stats and like, I, I don't play very many games, but I'm really, I think, decent to good at the games that I do play. And they just didn't have a Nikki from Stella Shampoo who would die with the ship. I, I died with the ship on Evolve. I was playing Evolve when the message was sent to me that they were going to shut down the servers. I, I still remember. It was on Wraith Trap. I was playing Behemoth. I lost that game. Like, I was playing that game and I was I was in a good position to win. Right? I was playing the monster and there's four hunters hunting me down. And I was so distraught when I read that. I lost my mojo and I lost that game, and I'm like, guys, I got to read this. And I read the letter Total Rock Studios wrote out that they were cutting Evolve. I was playing the game as they announced the servers were shutting down. That's how far I took it. Now, 
there still are like a dozen or so of you crazy maniacs playing Evolve to this day, and I respect that. <laughs> but like a couple dozen. It is. It is. It's like thirty people. By the way, for those of you wondering, uh, the peak players of Lawbreakers in the last thirty days is three, three. So there's like a one v one, and one guy's spectating. I don't know. But uh, if it was a 2v1, they're just going to get that one guy to quit. They'll have the 1v1, and it'll be all overall. It'll be zero. Uh, but I... They just didn't have a Nikki from Stealth Shampoo. They didn't invite me on the Lawbreakers campaign. And, uh, you know, maybe I could have kept that game afloat a little bit longer. I mean, for the longest time, I was a top of all stream. And uh, they just... They paid all these streamers to play Lawbreakers, and just none of them stayed on board. And so that's... It's really interesting, right? Influencer relation, influencer marketing. I mean, it's part of my literal job now. It's it's so interesting how look at Among Us. Among Us right now, I'm gonna look at Among Us on Steam. That game was dead. No one even knew what it was, and it launched so yeah, long ago. Yeah, it's not even a new game, which is amazing. It's first Steam charts. It's first Steam chart uh entry is November 2018. Peak players 19, average players 2.3. It got discovered July 2020 or so, 2,000 average. And last 30 days, it's up to 146,000 average players with a peak of 438.5K. And even like as I saw someone mention out, this kind of kicked Fall Guys off the headline. Yeah. Which was a new game like marketed by big names, has Devolver as like a publisher. And, you know, it was, like, going to be this huge thing. They were updating it. They were constantly doing all this stuff. And then it just kind of got kicked off the headlines because all of a sudden this old game was a small team. It's not even, like, you know, it's it's a very simply made game. All of a sudden just became the biggest one. Yeah, influencer relations is absolutely insane because they spent so much money. You know how much those booths cost? Millions. Millions. The merch they had a merch budget. Oh, yeah. They're probably flying oh, yeah. people up, putting people up in hotels. The videos, the video production, the trailers, getting streamers flown out to go to the studio to play 6v6 show match or 4v4 or whatever it was. They spent millions on influencer marketing on Lawbreakers. Yet it dies immediately. Among Us, zero dollars, I think. I mean, maybe they paid someone off to like play the... I don't know what happened there. But they... they I guarantee they didn't have a Fall Guys budget. They didn't. This is a small indie studio. I don't even know who develops it. Where the game was dead for on launch November 2018 to now. And so it's so weird how influencer relations and influencer marketing works. You just get the right people. You get eyes on it. The power of Twitch and, and getting viewers and the accessibility and how cheap the game is. Like, look, I look at a game like Civilization and I have no idea what the fuck is happening. Right, like there are people who are such pros of civilization. Yeah, by the year uh, 1600 BC, you have to have invented the wheel or pottery, or you're just too far behind. It's like, what the? I don't even know in real life when the wheel and pottery were. It's probably pottery was probably way before that, right? I, feel, I sound like a complete dumbass right now. Dan, who knows basic history? I'm pretty sure pottery was invented way before 1600 BC. I couldn't give you a number, but I think we figured that out. For sure. We figured that out For really sure. early. I think, the, I think the earliest, like, start to go to like 10,000. See, but that's the point, right? Like, civilization is so complicated, right? Like, Gandhi and his nukes and, like, oh, yeah, Gandhi, like, he's Gandhi. he's 999 peacefulness, but if he gets one more peacefulness, it rolls over to zero and it'll nuke you immediately. Like, yeah. civilization <laughs> is hilarious. Um, and, and it's... I've watched a little bit of it, but I just can't understand it. Among Us is the total opposite. I have not played a minute of Among Us 
but I know like every little puzzle and where the maps are and like little tricks you can do and where all the events go. There's one trick I learned. If you have a four-digit character name, which I think might be the minimum, I might be wrong on that, and someone else has a four-digit... No, it's not. It's not. Is it three? Do you know what it is? It's... I- I've had two, two digits. So it, let's say you have a short name and someone else has a short name and you, and you stand in front of one of them you can lure the killer in to kill one of you and the other person in the back can report the body right away. And like, yeah, yeah, I just saw him standing on the body. I, oh, wow. I've seen that trick. It's hilarious. But if one person has a long name and one person has a short name, it doesn't work because the names overlap. Weird. So you got to have two names. Right, that are, right. You know, at a glance, you won't catch it. If you look closely, you will catch two names overlapping. But just little things like that. Among Us, for those of you who don't know, I, being a bad podcaster, I'm just assuming everyone knows who it is. It's uh, kind of like a trouble in terrorist town. You got to root out two people who are imposters. Everyone else is a good person. Imposters go around killing people. And uh, it's like this little 2D, like cartoony, uh, cute little game where friends yell at each other. That's what it is. And that's why that little trick works when you stand behind someone because it's literally 2D. Think of like, you know, way, way, way back. Like, I can't even think of a 2D game. Damn it. I'm too young. I'm only 25. Mario. The platformer games back in the day. You get the point. And so influencer marketing is just really interesting because you see like lawbreakers, all this money put down and you see among us fall guy. So F- fall guy is kind of in the middle, right? On one side, you have lawbreakers, a lot of money, no longevity. You have among us, no influencer, you know, budget blew up. And then you have fall guys there in the middle. That's like, they had a good budget on Twitch rivals. I think Twitch rivals cost somewhere in the six digits to get yourself on Twitch rivals. Even yeah. You know, spending money on Twitch Rivals, hilarious Twitter, getting people early copies, uh, you know, reaching out. I know the the influ- I know the influencer team who's going out and reaching out and making sure people are playing the game and getting coverage and promoting those videos and all that stuff, right? And it was big. So you have like big money, big return with Fall Guys, big money, no return on Lawbreakers, and then you have Among Us, no money. And and so it's just it's just really weird how different games play into influencer marketing and, and what people like to watch and what's successful are different. Temtem is a great example. Temtem, the creature collecting game, it's very niche, right? Pokemon is popular. Hot take. I don't think Pokemon is popular because the gameplay is good. I think Pokemon is popular because it's nostalgic, even the newer games, because it, it's playable, because it's easy, because it's appealing to children. Uh Temtem, on the other hand, right, it, it's it's niche. It's the pretty much the same thing as that other game. I don't want to say both the names in the same sentence. But not as many people are on board it. I, I think Temtem does everything the other game does, but better. Uh, single player, co-op, housing. We had housing in Gen 3. We don't have housing in Sword and Shield. Come on. Um, You know, think if you had the a cottage out in the in the the vast fields of I'm not you know that one place where they have those creatures I think Temtem is doing everything better than Pokemon yet it's still niche like I said there's only about a thousand people playing it right now as this podcast goes on 8pm PDT live on twitch.tv slash shampoo and the reason it's so like tiny is it doesn't have that brand recognition that the other game does and it's, it's a little more niche and they, they did have a big, like they went from alpha to early access and they had a big release um, and a bunch of people played it and didn't continue playing it. Um, a bunch of content creators did. Now there's still a hardcore community playing it, including myself. I was actually on a call with probably like 20 people 
Um, it was a bunch of influencers, a bunch of content creators, a bunch of people who worked at various game studios. And I said, hey, anyone playing Temtem? And it was dead fucking silent. It was so awkward. Everyone was talking, yo, you playing the new Halo, man? Like, yeah, it's so good. And like, oh, man, the new Warzone update. Fuck, I hate that game. And I was like, yeah, man, me too. And people were like, oh, man, you've, you checked out. I forgot. Fall Guys and Among Us weren't out at the time. Um, oh, are you playing Sekiro? Well, no, no, not Sekiro. It was um, uh, Shadow, not Shadows Die Twice. What is that other game? The beautiful one that just came out is, is a PS4 exclusive set in Japan. It's not Sekiro. Says. It's not Sekiro. Sekiro. It's not Sekiro. It's Sekiro. Sekiro Shadow dies twice. That's God. Yeah, that's another. Can you game. look it up, Kilo? It's gonna drive me insane. I'm gonna sound like an absolute dumbass to anyone. Just look at, Is that the games? That it's not Sekiro. No, no, no. Okay. It came out more What's recently as a PS4 exclusive. It's open. Ghost of Tsushima. Thank you, chat. Fizzle and oh, chat okay. failed me out. I, Thank you. I do not. Oh. I do not remember. <laughs> Everyone was talking about how beautiful that game was, and uh, and I chime in like, "Hey, anyone playing Tem Tem?" And, and someone's like. Yeah, I played it up to the first dojo, and I kind of quit. Uh, it was just like it was like twenty people, and I'm just like, ooh. Uh, all right, <laughs> so, uh, Temtem, you know, it's 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 so weird because I think it's better than that other game in every way, but just no one's playing it, and people tried it but got off. So, you know, it's 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 niche, right? Temtem, despite its competitor having mass appeal because of the nostalgia, and I think Temtem being better in every way. Those games like Among Us and Fall Guys are just more accessible. You can be a complete dumbass and play Fall Guys. You don't need incredible aim like you would in CSGO or you would in Call of Duty. Well, Call of Duty teammates usually don't have incredible aim. Jesus Christ, some of the randoms and some of the people you see. But Fall Guys, right? No hand-eye coordination, really. I mean, you can play at a high level. I see people doing crazy paths and jump-ups that they're not really supposed to do and using obstacles to propel themselves forward semi-illegally, defying the laws of physics. You know, it seems like influencer relations and influencer marketing strategies change all the time and how you should market games and how you should design games. There's some games like, you remember Streamline Cooler? You remember that stupid game? Oh, God, I hate. Yes, I remember I that. hate how the developers treat I just remembered that. I just remembered that right now because it. So there's no reason to remember it after it launched. No. Um, so none of you are going to know what Streamline is, so I'll, I'll explain it, but in the in the kind of balancing act that is influencer friendliness and streamability on a scale of that to like civilization i have no idea what the fuck is going on civilization is popular though so it might not be a great fan the best example um streamline was meant to be a game where the chat and streamer played together so what happened is uh eight i think it was eight people are running around it's kind of like tag um I don't remember exactly what the point of it was, but there's it's tag and you run around and collect things and the audience can like mess with people. Um, the one, the reason I don't like the devs is because I had a friend who's very good at the game. His name is Namho. And uh, he wanted to play streamline like super competitively. He was always giving the developers feedback and uh, they, they just told him to screw off. And the developers at one point said to him, you are ruining the game by being good at it. And that, that made, I didn't like that at all. Like you look at that's the anti Nikki right there. I don't like that. That's not cool. Like he, this guy's spending all his time playing, and so there was some feedback. If you think of like, uh, if you think of a game of tag, right? If the first place player has a crown over their head who you can see through the walls, it makes it really easy for you to cut that person off, right? What was so skillful about Namho's gameplay was he was fast. He knew like good routes and like little tricks to get yourself on and off of walls really quickly. It was like a skating game. Right. Right. And so that's what made him so good at it. So 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 
you know, hard to beat. But if you have a little crown on your head and you can see him through walls, you can literally like hide around a wall and then punch him in the face when he comes around the wall. And he found that to be very irritating. And in an eight-man game, that's a free-for-all, right? You're just Everyone's just going to bully the top player. And he found that really frustrating. And when he gave the devs that feedback, they had told him, allegedly, again, that they don't like him being good at the game and it's ruining the game. And I, I didn't really like that. So that, that made me really mad. And their game's dead now. It's also kind of a lack of retrospective. You know, yeah. it's, it's your design that's making this happen. People, you're going to have tryhards. And about mm-hmm. any game, if you're popular enough, you're gonna have tryhards. Look at Smash and how you how you control them. Well, I mean, Smash is like built off of tryhards at this point, but yeah. like even games that don't really have to, there's gonna be someone who's just like really good at it. And how how if you don't want them to necessarily be the driving force of the game, then you kind of have to design your game so they don't always you know profit off of that. I was going to go up look up Streamline on Steam charts. And there's nothing here. It is dead. I think they might have even oh, taken the servers down. Gone. Gone. Wow. wow. I don't know. I still have a copy of the game. I think you do too. You can install it and see what's out. I don't know. That'd be a complete waste of time. Uh, streamline. I mean, it's 30-day average is 0.7, but when you click on it, nothing pops up. So I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, they gave a bunch of people keys, right? They really hammered on the, you know, chat plays with the streamers and can mess with them. And the streamers, you know, invite viewers to play up and, you know, just the game died so i didn't like the way they treated my man namho uh so so there you go uh, let's let's tackle two more topics cooler let's talk let's tackle probably your two favorites la comic-con and then let's talk about blaseball after yeah actually we could talk about baseball now because they're talking about games that can like take down tryhards okay okay talk about and this let, yeah, let me I, I will i will give you a break so go, i can mention okay let me just preface this with i have literally no idea what baseball is even yeah, though you so explained I'm, it to me. so I'm kind of explaining this to Nikki more formally at this point, but I'm going to do so in a way that explains it to all the listeners. So, Blaseball is a new game that came out in July. And it was made kind of as a result of quarantine. It was kind of the developers wanted a way to get a bunch of people that aren't even into video games, i.e. like, you know, casuals and stuff, to be able to do something fun collaboratively. Similar to the things that make, like, Among Us popular. It's something you don't need to have experience to play. And so they made a baseball simulator, uh, which is just like text-based and on a web browser. You just make an account, you log in, and you can watch 20 teams just kind of play. It's all, it's all AI, it's all computer, and they're all playing games, and you see like the list of like events happening in like a little text box to say like, oh, this person batted, they struck out, or this person managed, they scored, and... Then you, when you do, you can get like a certain amount of coins, and you can bet on the team that you want to win. If they win, you get a return. If you don't, you lose those coins. If you lose all your coins, you can beg. And there, each season is one week, and each game happens every hour. So for one, starting on Monday, there is ninety nine games that happen. Each one happening once an hour until Friday, somewhere in the morning or something. The last game happens, and then on Saturday, the top like. People from the league will can compete in a tournament, and then the champion is crowned at the end of the week. That's the normal part. So that's like a normal, okay, we're just watching like a fantasy sport. Uh, okay. The, where it gets interesting is that, so besides your coins, and by the way, your coins are all in-game. There is no real currency. There is zero like real currency involved. There's no, you can not pay a single cent to Blaseball. 
it literally just you just log in and go. Um, the the part that gets interesting is so at the at Sunday, so after the tournament happens on Saturday, on Sunday players get to vote and vote tickets you can pay for with your coins, and votes are things like blessings and decrees. And so sometimes they're simple things. They'll be like, okay, this this team will get buffed, or this player will get swapped for another player on another team, or maybe the like ability, the stats of one player gets like taken and sent to another team or something like that. It's simple stuff. And then there's like more interesting ones. So in the very first season when baseball began, one of the decrees, I forget, I think it was a decree, was open the forbidden book. And people voted to open the forbidden book of baseball and doing so launched the discipline era which carries on to this day in which case solar eclipses became a weather type and when the solar eclipse comes a rogue umpire can go onto the field and their eyes turn white and they incinerate players and then the player is just dead they are gone i'd say for good but not exactly i'll get to that too uh, various other things happen, so, like, um, oh yeah, like, a giant, like, chasm swallowed up a team, and now they're, like, a different team name or something, and a bunch of players for that whole season started to just get incinerated, people were dying, just left and right, You'd be playing a game, and then a rogue umpire would come on and just kill someone, so now there's death involved. Other things that were introduced is, there's peanuts, you can buy peanuts, like a baseball game, but it can also rain peanuts. And sometimes your players will, like, eat the peanut, and, like, they'll like the peanut and enjoy it. And sometimes they're allergic to peanuts, and then they get, like, a stat, you know, nerf because they're having an allergic reaction to the peanuts. Other, uh, there was the Grand Unslam. So it was, like, season three or something, where too many people were joining into the game, and they crashed the whole server. The whole server went down. And then when it came back up... Like, a bunch of things changed. A bunch of, like, one team got a whole number of players became the same name. Uh, the Los Angeles Tacos became the Unlimited Tacos because Los Angeles was, re was like, multiplied to infinity and now they're just the Los Angeles team. The San Francisco Lovers got, uh, like, performance-enhancing demons and some of them got swapped with alternate reality versions of themselves. So... What I'm getting at with, like, all this insanity stuff is that a lot of it turns into, like, this absurdism form. It's like, I think Wikipedia even calls it, like, a baseball simulation horror game or something. Well, Absurd is horror game. It's some really weird combination of words that you have to put together. And because most of it, a lot of this stuff is just kind of like, it's kind of like a fantasy sport mixed with, a like, a tabletop game. So there's like a team in the background that's doing all this stuff. So like when things happen in the game, they'll come up with like random scenarios and random names and everything. And then this now there's this thing that happens. So like at one point there was the great peanut fraud, for example, where when they introduced peanuts and you could like buy peanuts, some people found an exploit in the website and they were able to purchase um, like unlimited amounts of peanuts for themselves. And so then the, the Blazeball commissioner, who's like the head made a gigantic like announcement saying like peanut fraud detected and then the entire web page turned into this like gigantic picture of a peanut that just said you will learn discipline and it was like <laughs> spinning around there for a long time so they took something that would have been like 
in a normal game, this would have been like an exploit. They would have posted like a thing like, hey, we found an exploit in our system. We are fixed a bug or something. But they turned it into now like another piece of the lore. And now there's like, now this peanut shows up every once in a while whenever like crazy shit's about to happen. It showed up also in the Grand Unslam and whatnot. And the other aspect is that so while they control like the core of the whatever the story is happening in place, well, they also give very base information and they let the community kind of handle the rest of the lore. And obviously the community is not just handling the lore, but they're also voting for things and they get to vote for these absurd things. And then they get to like take those absurd events and turn it into more lore. So things like, for example, the fact that like you vote for to make the unlimited Los Angeles tacos canonically anti-capitalist was a thing you could just vote for, and it won. So now they are just canonically anti-capitalist, and you can put this in your lore. Uh, I don't know, like, when they swapped out the San Francisco lovers with their alternate reality selves, then they had to, like, come up with lore for that. There's also the gigantic lore of, like, San Francisco is in the future, and apparently the Renaissance Fair took over San Francisco and turned it into a monarchy, like an actual monarchy. And then <laughs> a bunch of people decided to, like, um, secede from the monarchy of San Francisco because the Renaissance Fair people were being too picky about what was, like, period accurate, and they ended up forming the romantic collaborative of San Francisco where the baseball team comes from, and the entire team is formed by one guy's gigantic polycule. And so they're just all, they're just all <laughs> joining together. Like, it's all really, really specific and absurd and crazy, and everyone just kind of gets really invested into what's just like a little text box. And since it happens once an hour, and since they're not like a long game, and it's like, you go to baseball, it's like a whole day, right? Since it's like a long game, it's like while you're working, you can just kind of check back and be like, oh, hey, how are my, how are the games going? And then it's little, little interests and new things that can happen. I, I see it here. While also having this giant story. On their Wikipedia, that's why, uh, what you just said is why they went from a horse racing gambling to baseball. Uh, yeah, it was originally supposed to be a horse racing game, and they turned into something, something bigger. So Wikipedia says Blazeball is an online browser baseball simulation horror game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is all, this is all generated by a computer, right? Like people, they, there's not someone sitting here writing once an hour. How do they get an AI no, to like no, write the story? No one. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not the AI is not writing the story when it's like the voting events and who like who picks what the voting options are and what happens afterwards. That's the devs. But like the games themselves is happening by computer. So like But there is a weight. There is a weight to it. So like you'll know like this team has like a 60% chance of winning. They're probably going to win. Things like that. So the de the devs who's coming up with the crazy shit that like peanuts fall down because that sounds like the game and not the game. That's community. the devs. That's the devs. Like, the game oh. is not completely AI-generated. It's just the, the actual baseball, baseball game are. But, like, all of the the crazy, like, stuff that's happening in the website is done by the devs. The website is very bare-bones. But, like, if you see, like, it has, like, you'll see the weather in the game. And if it says peanut, then it's peanut weather. That's something you have to, only the devs can implement. But if it's something like a character's backstory that happens in the wiki, and that's, you know, wiki can be edited by oh, yeah, I want to mention one last thing so there are certain times when the two things mix so I mentioned when the forbidden book of Blazeball was opened uh the rogue umpire started incinerating people Jalen Hotdog Fingers was the first person to be incinerated and he died and so there's this functionality where you also can idle people so you can choose who your idol is and you'll have like a leaderboard it's like an MVP kind of thing 
And so they found out, the, the community found out that you could idle people even if they had died by incineration. So they managed to get enough votes to Jalen Hot Dog Fingers so that he ended up on the leaderboard. He ended up high enough on the leaderboard that he was able to be swapped into another team, thereby bringing him back from the death. And now he's just part of the game again. And this was not intended by the developers. It just kind of like was a thing that people managed to do, but then they just rolled with it because, okay, here's an interesting part of the story. And then some idols ended up getting shelled. So, like, yeah. last season, last week, there was a... Uh, I think it was... I forget who... Which team had it, but there was a character called Pitching Machine. His name was Pitching Machine. And no one was sure if he was just, like, a guy named Pitching Machine or if he was, like, an actual pitching machine. And most fan art drew him as, like, a machine that just <laughs> shot base baseballs. Um and he got shelled, sadly. So that means that he got put into a gigantic peanut shell, and he's not coming back. Um, so that's what it just happens. My Very sad. my number one concern with Blaze Balls would be too much lore to keep up up with, as you've talked about. But See, here's the, here's the thing with it. So like, I catch I caught up on the lore within like a day. It's not that tough to do, and like you do so little by little as things go on. But the lore changes so much that it's not like you have a prerequisite. You could kind of hop in and just read, like, if you don't know what a word means, just look it up. But it's not exactly going to be like, oh, you have to know all this stuff to understand how we're here. Because how we're here is so different to what it was like last week and the week before, and so many things are going to change that it doesn't really matter. You can just kind of hop in whenever and just kind of catch up as you would need to. But you don't necessarily need to have all that backstory because your character might just die or they might get swapped into an alternate dimension or they might get shelled. And so like, none of that will matter. No one needs to know who pitching machine is weeks down the road, unless he comes back to from the shell or something. So, uh, so it's relatively easy to do. And yeah. right now they are on siesta. So siesta is when they, the devs take a break because they want to like upgrade, you know, their stuff. The game is running like 24 seven. So you can't really do many like substantial upgrades. So for this week, the game is currently off, so if you want to join, which is you literally just go to blazeball.com and just join, you can do so and just like wait until Monday it will start again. Yeah, what I was gonna say is, with with the whole lore, you know, there being a bunch of lore, it, you did say it does restart every Monday, so that makes it easier. But also, well, it not, the story doesn't restart, but like there's a new season that starts. Yeah, yeah. But because of the votes, because of the blessings and decrees, the game changes substantially, like every single week. In fact, like I know the person who wrote the FAQ on the website, and he says like they have to keep updating the FAQ because the FAQ becomes like invalid after a week. Uh, also, it's actually not ultimately that much lore because uh, it says on Wikipedia its release was July twentieth, twenty twenty. Yes, it's getting popular and there's only recently. been a few seasons. So it's like eight seasons. If you wanted to catch it's up to all of it, it's probably a good time to hop in. It's, yeah, it's not impossible at this point to catch up on literally all of it and be like a literal baseball not expert if you wanted to be like, you know, like how people talk about normal sports if I knew anything about any any kind of normal sports. So Yeah, and I think as someone yeah. has, as I saw a YouTube comment once say, it's like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't like sports. Now, I don't like, I still don't like sports, but I do like sports. <laughs> because baseball is a sport, and I'm the same. I do not watch sports. I do not care for baseball like whatsoever. I haven't been to a baseball game in like over a decade, even though we live by like a very pretty 
uh, field for one. But I'm very invested into this because the absurdism in this game is, makes it a lot more appealing than, you know, just watching actual players hit the teams. In fact, they even said, like, this is bringing, like, baseball back to the, baseball back to the people. It's like democratizing baseball. You control the, the very rules and fabric of reality in the game. <laughs> fabric of reality. See, that's one of the things you learn as a caster is that it's not just like what's happening on screen that's important, it's the narrative. It's, oh, this guy's the yes. underdog. He came through the loser's bracket. His mom drove him here. Like, he only has $15 to his name. The, you know, the whole Rocky story. You know, the the underdog, the, oh, this guy probably won't beat this established champion. What's interesting about sports is, you know, you have someone to root for. There's a narrative behind everyone. And uh, baseball just takes... The part that I don't care about sports, like the hitting the ball and the tactics behind pitching and who to put up and all that stuff. And it, it just gets it it takes that out. I don't care about that. The sport, right? And it amplifies the narrative, the underdog, the absurdism of the uh of the sport. It just doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the part that appeals more. And also speaking about like how it doesn't take out tryhards and stuff because the the base game is so simple. There's not like a way you really win baseball. There's not like a thing. You're not one of the players. You're one of the spectators. So inherently, you can't really tryhard this game. In fact, the only way to tryhard this game is to be like a creative part of the game and to be like active in the community or something, but not necessarily to like optimize your betting. And even if you do optimize your betting, they have one of the blessings or one of the decrees was redistribution of wealth. So if you're one of the top 1%, if at the end of the week, then all of your money gets to, like, you get a large chunk of your, of your coins redistributed to the bottom 98%. I know one person said he forgot to spend all of his money. I guess like the same way rich people have like tax havens or something. He forgot to spend like a lot of his money and he ended up losing like more than half of it as it got redistributed. And I got like 600 coins. So thank you. So there's just a sheer element of chaos to it that makes it impossible to like even It's like yeah, you're never you're never going to know what the rules are going to be. So if you like if you've optimized yourself for this rule, like if you, let's say you optimize you have like this one player and you're like you you know to bet on them, you know what they're going to do, you know their stats and then they just get murdered by a rogue umpire. Get shelled. That sounds like a fake worse than also death the right there. Also the first person, the the first last uh Friday or something was the first time so someone had a fireproof jacket or something or they were fireproof and so the rogue umpire's like white laser eyes rebounded and killed the umpire and now that's the first so now you can canonically like not be incinerated and instead murder the rogue umpire is this the first time an now umpire's that's, died? now that's a feature yes it is the first time someone has survived incineration like the actual act of incineration and then also the first time one of the staff has died see that's one of my that's one of the cool things with the lore is, like you said, it's easy to get into because it resets every week and like it's so crazy. Things happen all the time. But yeah. a year from now, if baseball continues to go up in popularity, I'd like to talk to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, the first time an umpire died, laser deflection via heat proof vest. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes when people talk about like boxing or like MMA or hockey or something, and I don't know anything about any of those things, but they're like, oh, yeah. So like this cheat, these guys cheated by throwing the puck into the goal. Bro, I was telling me about like the Sharks or something did that last mm -hmm. hockey season. That that kind of stuff is interesting to that those stand out. I know all of baseball's kind of stand out, 
those kind of standout instances, right? And to be able to hear from a historian or to hear from someone who's like, I like hearing about when someone's passionate about something, I like hearing about it, but even more when it's something interesting that I also know nothing about, right? Like if you're good at fishing and you're passionate about it, I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out, right? But if, if you're like into, I don't know, space, which I find more interesting than fishing, I don't know, personally. Yeah, of course. Right? Then it's like, okay, now that, the blaze ball is just a tears interesting more than that now because people are getting stuck. There's and a I term also, for being the games, stuck in a The games last quickly. The games last like 20 minutes. You know, like you, the thing that everyone complains about baseball is that it's really boring because you're just watching people like either wait, they got to swap teams, they got to switch. This takes like 20 minutes. It starts, it's done. That's it. They got to mow the lawn or whatever else they do in normal baseball. Yeah, it's it's just you're there and then it's out and then you don't even have to pay that much attention. I have some. I have some money the here. The game killer. itself is very. Smart. I have some money here, and I'm willing to invest. Uh, I know of because I'm so into Pokemon cards. I know of a local shop that's really into baseball cards, baseball huh? cards. Right. We need the. We need the first Rogue there are, Empire. There death. are people. There are a lot of fan made baseball cards. I, I want official baseball cards. Start a grading service. Start an authentication I service. I think they are. I think they actually are doing. Um, official merch they said it's in production that might be one of the things they're doing during the siesta although the thing is you have to also then you have to find a canonical like appearance this is the thing when they make a character they don't give it like they Ah, don't actually give it um, a a canonical appearance they don't give it even pronouns or gender or anything you can just pick it doesn't matter like the leader of um the san francisco lovers is uh knight urlacher who ends up being canonically like a knight? He's from the Renaissance era monarchy, and he's also like a like non-binary, asexual but polyromantic person whose giant polycule has now created a, a baseball team. I, you could just throw a word machine. salad into that. The pitching machine is a pitching machine. Like it just, maybe it'd be cool to. No have... one's sure. Is he is he a machine or is he just a person who's just happens to be named pitching machine? You know. It'd be cool to have like a binder of these cards and just be able to tell a story. Like, all right, this is pitching machine, but this this also <laughs> could be there's there's different pitching machines. Then I mean the thing is to also sell the cards. They need to be iconic. Like something crazy has to have happened that everyone in baseball is talking about. They need they need some big right. cards, right? <laughs> I don't know. It needs to be a. It's cool. I, I imagine merch. there's going to be some like merch like at some point. There's probably going to be. We may have gone over time also. We, unless you want to just do an extra episode and just cover the next story. Who cares? You want to cover the next story? Oh, let's cut. Let's cut. It's it literally came out today. Let's cover the next story. We are so over time. Yeah, it is. It is kind of important. Let's just do it. Who's going to kick us off the air? Me. Uh, all right. So <laughs> having nothing to do with baseball and going to a little bit of a sad. Those are topic. fun times. Now we're getting to actual serious topics. Uh. Comic-Con wants to hold a Comic-Con in LA, and I believe you you verify that this is going to be the LA Convention Center, LA. The LA Convention Center. The one yeah. on Figueroa. This isn't like LA, like Long Beach, LA. This is literally the LA Convention Center. Right. And I don't know how to navigate this website. I can't open the, the stupid article. But they had some measures in place with the... Uh, the December, December, it's September. Right? Oh, actually, almost October. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had some plans for the Comic-Con in LA in December. What is, I got this from LA, la, laced, laist, dot com. Can you even get to the article? I actually can't even get to the article. 
I think it's a... Uh... Oh, I linked the wrong article. This is my fault. It's all right. Oh, I see how it is. So I have it saved up on Twitter here. Okay, I load I load it up. I load it up. Yeah, it's happening in the convention center. They are still listed as closed in the state's reopening guidelines. So that's also, they're saying it's unclear if the Comic-Con even had permission from the officials to host this thing. Now... I assume they do. I'm going to... Or if they're hoping for it to <laughs> Yeah, happen, they're hoping for permission. That's also a thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devil's advocate a little bit here. Uh, I, the safety protocols for LA Comic Con requiring face masks, reducing capacity from 42,000 to 13,500. I've been in um, the LA Convention Center with like upwards of 42,000 people. E3 is super crowded. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine. So I, cutting that by what's 13,000? Is that even a quarter? So they cut it down. Renting the whole convention center to allow for more space per person, moving the main stage to a larger room. One-way traffic in the South Hall aisles, more frequent cleaning, hand sanitizing stations, streaming their panels. That Now, the streaming panels one doesn't even make sense because I think people do that anyway, Rona or not. Yeah, yeah, that happens too. Selling digital-only tickets. So I think the, the first thing we both thought of because we're both convention veterans is that people get sick at conventions normally even without the Rona. Yes. It is not... And incredibly, especially comic. Now, I haven't been to a comic con. I, I I think comic con is just an overarching, generic sort of convention. It's not necessarily always about comics. The San Diego one's still the biggest one. Though. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's, kind of it's a nerd convention, right? And yes, it's a general it's a generalized nerd convention. It's not just about comics. I've been around the nerds. I've been around the weebs, and I've been around gamers. And none of these people are all that sanitary. No, no, they are very much not so. I, I, and I imagine the most sanitary of them are probably staying home. Yeah, they're not going to be there. The so this was insane. This is a piece of advice I'm going to give to literally everyone. Everyone thought I was insane for doing this before the pandemic. So what I would do is if I were going to a convention and I'm a VR person, I'd, I'd be trying out VR games. I'd be putting on other people's VR headsets. Is I would take the little foam cushioning, the that makes contact with your face off of my VR headset and bring it to the convention. It's not very big. It's mine, no, right? right? And obviously, I'm not going to be using it because I'm at a convention. So why hasn't anyone else been doing this? And I have a bunch of different headsets. I had um, the Rift CV1. I had Vives. Um, and now I have a Quest. And I actually don't have a Rift S, but I should probably order a Rift S uh, because I use a lot of Rift Fs for demoing. I should probably order a Rift mm -hmm. S face mask but they're not very expensive. And every time I take a VR demo, I don't want to be the 100th person to put my face on something that everyone else put their face onto. Even without the Rona, I thought that was gross. And I did this every time. And every time I did this- the foam ones, the foam ones a sponge. Like you're yeah. squeezing out 100 people's sweat yeah. onto yourself. I take my nice like third party leather ones every time. And every time I went up to someone giving out demos and they're wiping the headset down, I'm like, don't worry about it. I got my own mask and I'd stick my own mask on there. And the, every time they said that I was the only person who did it ever. And I don't understand why more VR people don't do this. Like I take hand sanitizer to every convention and apply it thoroughly. This was even before the pandemic. Bring your own face mask. Living in, you were living in 2020. <laughs> yeah, or unfortunately. Uh, face. I hate face condoms though. Just like real, just like real condoms, they suck. 
Uh, basically, what like VR face condoms are is it's like a little disposable like paper you put around your eyes and face. And the problem with those is it slips up and down, so it can fall in your eyes and block you. And then you gotta move the headset, and move that up. Yeah, that I sounds, hate those. That sounds uncomfortable. Just bring your own face mask. It's the birth control of not getting the Rona of the eye. There's no reason for you to not do it. And so I think now after the pandemic, uh, everyone's gonna be doing that, uh, or or you should. You this should. does. Also bring up another point here, too. So they're going to have, like, and I guess this depends on why you want to be there. But, so they have a fraction of their attendance. Mm -hmm. So, which means they're not going to have things like concerts or, like, big, you know, fun, crowded events. They're unlikely probably not going to have demos because they don't want, again, like, putting, like, a VR headset on hundreds of people's faces. And that's never going to be sanitary no matter what. If they do, that's actually terrible. And you're not going to be able, because of, like, distancing, you know, guidelines, you're probably not going to be able to have experiences like, you know, like having a group of people to walk with or getting drunk in someone's hotel room or going to a party afterwards. Like, at one point, why? What real value is there going to be besides maybe saying hello to someone? You know, there, I wrote this down, luckily, in the notes. I'm glad I remembered. Okay. Some people, I'm not not saying myself i'm not saying i have or have not done this before but some people go to conventions to get laid now whether that is their main goal or whether it's a side objective if it gets complete that's cool if it's not then it doesn't matter and i imagine not only do we have to worry about stds but now we're sharing you know bedrooms yeah, hotel it's rooms also something that people. i wouldn't that's something i wouldn't want to do either it's like especially after they've been around thirteen thousand other people i don't want to sleep with you like gonna, I might get corona. Like, what's the, what's the point of the mask wearing and the distancing if then you're gonna actually just be gonna be literally on top of each other? There's <laughs> just yeah. no point, bro. And like, I mean, I'd be up for doing that. Like, I haven't gone on anything of that sort just because I don't want to catch it. Even on the less slutty note, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with one night stands and being slutty. All right, we take that stance here on the early access podcast. But on a less slutty note, although I've seen I've seen the con people, it's not the greatest pool of people I want to pick. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not picking the cream of the crop there, but I, Kuehler and I have, we were one time at Vaughn's, the gr a grocery store in, like, Orange County, I think it was Long Beach, and we just, yeah. like, invited a bunch of people back to the hotel room to get drunk, and that happens, yeah, you, like, it's just, even if you're not getting laid, you share the hotel room with people, you invite people back. You know, that's, that's the kind point. of the fun part, the memories, the memories I have from conventions are never, like, the panels or the official thing, it's, like, the crazy shit that you do with the people you meet from there, whether it's, like, people you've known beforehand or people you just met. Yeah. So, and you can't really do that here while being safe, which then makes me the point of, like, why? Why bother? Yeah, and again, on a less slutty note, you're inviting, what, a group of people into your small hotel room that probably only has two beds in it, and you're all breathing the same recirculated hotel room air. Yeah. And that's... That's just how you get the road up. What What's the point? Like, why would I want to fly to L.A. unless you're local to L.A.? Why would I fly to L.A. to then after the convention sit alone in my own hotel room? Like, every time. I, I, I sleep eight hours a day. But when it comes to convention time, like, I used to. So my philosophy has changed throughout the years. When I first started going to conventions, like, if I got four hours of sleep, I got four hours of sleep. I, I make myself get seven hours of sleep now at, at conventions because I... I went a chain of conventions. I think it was like week to week to week, like back to back to back. Only sleeping oh, yeah, no, four no, 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 hours. No. <laughs> I got fucking destroyed. No, 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 I was no, no, no. so tired. Yeah. I was in. Yeah. I couldn't speak. Like I couldn't hold a conversation with a new person. If I, you go to like two conventions a year, go ahead. Like you can do, you can handle a weekend of four hours of sleep every night. 
but like if you're doing a regular thing mm. by all means get yourself some at the at my peak of content creation i was probably going to what 20 conventions a year maybe 30 i don't know i was yeah, flying around yeah. at those number at those numbers you want to you take care of. it's like a it's like a touring musician you know you expect yeah. them like the young ones are going out and partying and like you know never getting sleep and just going and then like the veterans are like no 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 after that we go to bed we wake up at noon and then we go do this again yep and so that that's my philosophy now but uh I, I still, like, make it a point, you know, I go out, I stay out until midnight, go to bed at, like, you know, 2 a.m. or so, you know, take a shower, get ready for the next day, all that stuff, you know, take the Uber back at, at a little bit past midnight, wake up, you know, and, and get going the next day. I, I like, I still make that effort, though, to go out and do something, even if I'm tired as fuck at 6 p.m. and it's been the third day, I've been at Gamescom, that was, like, five days I still make time to go out at seven and that after con part where you're meeting people, networking, you know, I, I think I go to conventions maybe differently than, than people, you know, sometimes just hang out with friends, but also sometimes to do a lot of business and get, get free games and meet people at different game studios and make those professional connections. And so I always make it a point to after the convention, go out afterwards. It's just not something you can do right now. Like if, if I was saying earlier, those safety precautions did work out and they got the approval and all that stuff. You are still missing out on going out to the bar later on or safely going out to like dinner with 20 people. I've I've been at E3s. Um, there's this Mexican restaurant that I love at uh, LA Live. I forget what it's called, but I know exactly Rosa? where it is. Was it Rosa? I think we've gone before. Rosa Mexicana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, that's no, it. we've never gone. We've never gone, but you've told me about it. Yeah. I've never been to the LA convention. Yeah, I really like that Mexican restaurant. And I, I go there all the time. I... I one time after one E3, I was at a table with like literally 30 people. Now, in my opinion, there's a, there's kind of like a cap to how many people there can be at a table. And then it's just like a long ass table. Like I am not talking to the person yeah. like even six seats down and there's like right. 18 seats to my, to my side. So, but point is like, you know, you go to some big dinners with people. Like I go with my friend group. My friend group invites these other creators and they invite their friends and girlfriends and boyfriends and all that stuff. And we just get a big fat ass table here going around meeting everyone and hanging out and shaking hands as people come in. And you just can't do that. You can't do that. Even if, you know, I, you know, I'm super tired at 7 p.m. I always try to go out to those dinners and that's maybe even like half, if not more, of the convention is what you do afterwards. So even if the convention center itself is safe, the whole experience afterwards is absolutely ruined and i actually looked up some numbers here so for those of you who haven't been to the la convention center which is probably most of you the last time i was at e3 was e3 2018 i skipped 2019 uh at the time e3 2018 was the biggest attendance since 2005 at 69,200 attendees that was super crowded i think i've been to e3s the closer to 50,000 40,000 people and they're talking about reducing attendees to 13,000 so one one sixth ish. I'm just doing quick maths in my head of the number of people. Um, and the last time I was there at E3, someone's gonna be like, "Nuki nuki, this one." I'm sorry, I don't have a calculator open right now. But that's still, I still don't think I can keep six feet between me and the random person behind me in the LA Convention Center. Even if you removed five sixth of the people who are there the last time I was there, even if you put out more space. I mean, maybe, but. Okay, so the one-way traffic, right? I don't even follow that shit in grocery stores, dude. I, I'm at, I go to Target 
often and they don't have those you know the directional arrows there like everyone go this way so we all stay away from each other so two people don't walk past each other right like i i don't want to go all the way back around like i'll back up 10 feet grab my thing and keep walking you know i don't even follow the one-way traffic i like i'll wear my mask and i'll try to stay away from you but the traffic the whole traffic thing i don't do if i'm walking towards you i still will try to avoid you of course six feet or face away but i don't know and if we look at some numbers uh la geez hang on we got a goddamn that guy, that, how fast do you think that guy's going? 110? I don't know, because he took a while to go by my window. So That guy that guy was going fast, dude. I think he was just revving his engine just to be an asshole. Anyway, uh, not only fuck that guy, but I don't think this is a good idea. So the I, I found a map earlier tonight. I don't have the hard numbers of the Rona right now in California. I'll bring it up just in case anyone listens to this podcast way in the future to see how 2020 was going. But uh, I looked at a map, and I didn't realize they did a heat map. It went from white to dark green as to how many coronavirus cases there were in different places in California. And where Keeler and I live was like light green. L.A. was dark, dark green. Uh, Right now, according to Google, I just typed California coronavirus. September 27th, the number of uh, daily coronavirus cases in California was 2,955. And I, you know, in December, I mean, it's going down for sure. We had a pretty bad summer hitting up to 12,000, 12,500 at multiple points, right? So it's going down, but by December indoors, I'm not feeling too comfortable about that. And I I think that was the knee-jerk reaction to a lot of people reading this headline. I am, I just, it seems we are, our optimistic time on when things can reopen is like summer of next year. Yeah. December just doesn't seem like this is going to anything is going to be available. And so people probably read this headline and been like, "Oh, LA Comic Con trying to hold in December, dumb idea." I read through the safety protocols and it looks like they put a little thought into it. I will give them the benefit of the doubt there. It just it it doesn't seem like 13,500 people uh they're going to increase the square footing. They have uh it also like like I said 800,000 square feet show. Like I said in the pre-show, I think if anyone put a considerable amount of thought into it, they realize the best option is to not do it at all. Yeah, yeah, and just it just doesn't. It doesn't I just seem can't like read over this. I can't read over this and and like think like, oh well, that looks okay. There's been like major events from like thirty people going into a restaurant and then they all catch the virus or something. So thirteen thousand people—that's a that's a still a strong numbers game. Yeah. Uh, they do have 800,000 square feet of event space available and 400,000 square feet of indoor and outdoor space to manage lines and waiting with appropriate social distancing options. But all the other, I think as, all the other problems, like you gotta go to an airport, bro. If you don't live in LA, yeah, you gotta go to the yeah. airport. And LAX. I, worse. I've avoided LAX, I think, every day up until my entire life up until 2019. But, uh, there you go. I think uh, I think we'll. I think I think it's we'll convention. It just don't go. Just cancel cons for this year. We're we're just not doing conventions. We're taking a year off. No, bad call. Bad that should have been the thing from the beginning. Let's just not do a year. If you uh, if you're listening to this, programmers of the LA Comic Con, we, we don't approve here at the Relaxes Podcast. All right, baseball, you're you're doing good. If you guys are listening, you're doing all right. 
And uh, by the way, if the motorcyclist driving past Kuehler's house, I, I like to think that... That was a car. That was not a motorcycle. Oh, okay. I, I like to that think that car. that person is listening to the Early Access podcast on twitch.tv slash Shampoo on their phone, and they're hearing us talk shit about them right now. And then you're like, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit more respectful of, of Kuehler's eardrums. Honestly, I, that kind of person's probably just going to make it louder. Yeah. Yeah. No one has an engine that loud and is, like, considerate of other people. All right. I'm going to... Cut the Early Access Podcast. You can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and those two places. Discord.gg slash Shampoo. Oh, the last thing I want to mention is, uh, again, I'm going to at some point commit to a charity stream, whether it be for uh, either animals or cancer or uh, cancer research or what was the other thing I was going for? This is such an important thing to me, and I don't even remember what my... Oh, mental health. <laughs> that was obviously the least important. No, I'm going to do one of those three. Um, it will either be in the form of I just like post on Twitter that I made a donation so everyone else follows, or maybe I'll donate a bunch of stream money and announce it, or we'll do a series of streams. I don't know. I had to figure out what charity I'm going to team up with, but uh, look forward to that in the future. Uh, those are causes in honor of uh, my dog. Who my dog's actually still alive. I didn't mean to make him sound like he's he's out. Um, he's on his way down. He's all right right now, but uh, he's definitely on his way down in honor of my my dog and my aunt. Um, and uh, my good pal, Ethan Hegster, who was running a bunch of Pokemon events, um, who's been uh, vocal on Twitter about his mental health issues. Um, so in honor of those three people, I wanted to do some kind of good in the world. Um, Ethan has been fantastic to the Pokemon community, but um, has has gone out, out to Utah for I'm not sure what reason. But uh, he's been vocal about having some mental health issues, so he's going to be taking a little bit of a break. Um, and as well as my aunt, who, who recently passed away. In honor of those three things and my dog, uh, I want to support one of those three charities, maybe a combination of them. I'm not sure, but we'll talk a little bit about that more when the time comes. I got to hash out the details. This is literally something I thought about last night in the shower. So thanks for listening to the Early Access Podcast. Check it out, discord.gg slash Shampoo for updates. We'll see you guys all some other time.